word about that. Um, we're going to be doing it for the next three weeks. We're going to continue in with our series. We're going to finish it called Love Is, which is really exciting. But if, you're, if your kids start getting a little bit like, like antsy and making uh, a little bit more noise than you're, you're comfortable with, just go ahead and take a deep breath. This guy doesn't care. Okay? I, they're, they're quieter than me, and, and I, that's, that's, if they'll put up with me, I'll put up with all of us, and we'll put up with each other. Amen? So we're going to do our, finish our series called Love Is for the next two weeks. We've been going through this uh, series called 1 Corinthians 13, um, where it's kind of the love chapter. Don't start turning there because we're, 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 we're finished with that. And now we're going to kind of end this with a series that I'm, I'm calling it Love Is Our Mission. Today we're going to look at John chapter 13 when Jesus kind of called us into a mission that's, that's of, of love. All right? So we'll be going there. But before you guys... Get too excited. Do you guys get a thing on your sheet that's either pink or purple? On one side it says love it, and the other side it says no thanks. I thought since we had the kids here and we're all kind of act like kids most of the time if we're honest with ourselves, we do a little activity to get started, get a little bit of our creative uh, Holy Spirit juices flowing, and, uh, and we're going to do a little activity called love it or no thanks. Kind of like the TV show Love It or List It, only completely different. And here's how it works. I'm going to read some different topics, and there's going to be a picture up on the board, and you just need to let it know, let, let, your, let your voice be heard, but not your voice, with your sign, and you're going to either tell us if you love it, or if you don't really love it, no thank you. Okay? Like if I said, community groups. Yes, that's not one of them. That's not one of them. So we'll get our first one up here. Our first one's going to be, are we ready? We all working together? Our first one's Disneyland. Love it or no thanks? Some of you guys, not everyone can see you, but I know who the Grinches are. What about this one? Kids, don't lie right here. Be honest. Broccoli. About a 50-50, probably like a 60-40. We're a healthy group. Broccoli. What about when I went one time I went to Mississippi and I ordered broccoli and it came deep fried like my chicken. Tis it just like my deep fried chicken. I don't know talk about that. Alright, what about this one? Sushi. A lot of love it's some no thank yous. Amen. What about this one? Exercise. I feel like you guys over there are going to need to like thumbs up or thumbs down. If you don't have one, thumbs up, thumbs down, everyone participates. Alright, what about this one? This is for this Thursday, the beach. The beach. Nice. What about this one? This one's appropriate for right now. School. School. What about this one? This one might start a fight. Country music. Alright, I feel like if we were on top of it, we would just go ahead and clear the chairs and start some music right now. We won't do that. What about this one? Reading. With some enthusiastic noise. I like the sound effects. I'm not afraid. Alright, what about this one? I know some of you guys, it, just be careful what you what you say right here because I got a lot of this that needs I need some help with. And it's gardening. Some of you guys are like, I'm not going to participate, I don't care. Alright, I love you, but no thanks. Okay, 
Number 10, this is the most important one and the last one, and um, this could affect our membership here if we had one. But I'm just going to say it, it's the Dodgers. Ah. Hey, if all of you guys back there can read what Duke is saying, what does it say for you guys back there? Alright, just check it. Alright, you guys can put those away. God bless you for putting up with me. I love you. Alright. So what we're going to do, we're going to do today is we're going to look at John 13. If you guys don't mind uh, turning there, we'll start right here. John chapter 13. I'm going to read a little bit. We'll talk a little bit. And we'll get into the story and what it means for us practically to have Jesus literally call us out and say, Hey, love is your mission. How many of you guys think that that's a good mission? Love is our mission. How many of you guys think the church needs to do a really good job of that and improve on that? Me too. Right. So it says in, in John uh, chapter 13, starting in verse 1, it says, Now before the feast of the Passover, so we got to set the scene. They're, they're walking into the feast of the Passover. Now maybe if you're Jewish here, you might celebrate the Passover. Or if you went to our Seder dinner, that was a Passover dinner celebration. But for most of us, we might not really relate to the idea of having a Passover. But if you're a Jewish, they had seven feasts during the year, three main ones that lots of Jewish people would show up at Jerusalem. And if you could just kind of give you the feeling of it is we have different type of holidays, don't we? We're used to that, like a Halloween, right? And then we have Thanksgiving, and then we have Christmas, and then we have New Year's, and then we have Easter. We have holidays that we're used to, and you know, like, if you walk into Costco, you know what season it is, right? Or if you walk into to, to Costco in October, you know it's almost Christmas time, even though it hasn't even been Halloween, right? But, but we decorate the streets, and we get in the mood, and we, and we, and we change the color of the cups that we drink at Starbucks, right? And we, we understand that we we, we go into our, our, our closet and we pull out boxes and we decorate our house. And the Jewish people did that too, but they just had different ones. They had feasts. And so the Passover, they would have decorated and got everything ready. And all these people were showing up in, in Jerusalem for the Passover. And Jesus and his disciples also showed up at that feast. That's what it's basically saying here. It's saying now before the feast of the Passover. And it says, when Jesus knew that his hour had come, to depart out of this world to the Father. See, Jesus was walking into Jerusalem for this holiday, this feast called Passover, with his disciples. Lots of Jewish people are going there, and he knew that he was going to walk in at the beginning of that week. He's going to walk into Jerusalem, and he's not going to walk out. Before the end of the week, he was going to die on the cross. That's what he's saying. He knew that. He knew he was walking into Jerusalem with a mission, a, a mission of love. A love mission to die for the sins of the world. How many of you guys are thankful that Jesus died for our sins? That's what it's saying. It's saying he showed up because he loved us. It said Jesus knew his hour had come to depart out of this world. The Father means die on the cross. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. He says it right there. The, the thing that motivated him to go into Jerusalem at that time and to die on the cross was what? was love. And he loved him till the end. And the, the end is when he died on the cross for the sins. And then it says, in, in starting in verse 2, it says during supper. That's where I want to stop. During supper. What that means is, is they came to Jerusalem. It's the time of Passover. And during Passover, just like at Thanksgiving, you know, you'd have a Thanksgiving dinner. At Passover, it was a really special meal that you would have once a year. 
And it was, it was, there was, there was things that everyone kind of did in common. You might have, you might have some of your own family traditions, like you go to Thanksgiving. But there were some things that are in common, like what do you eat normally for for Thanksgiving, right? You eat a turkey, right? And you dress up like with with fall type stuff. Like it was, it was there were some normal things that everybody kind of did. And Passover was even more specific. And Seder was kind of very specific, and everyone kind of did it the same because God had instituted this. So that they would remember way back when, when Moses brought the people out of Egypt. That's where the Passover came. And they were remembering that God had been their Savior way back when, when Moses was. And isn't it ironic that Jesus is now here? And what's Jesus there to be? Their Savior. On the same day, they celebrate God's salvation. So they go back to the supper. I want to just walk back a little bit. We could back up a little bit. And we could start to the beginning of the day. Jesus had walked in. And his disciples were walking into Jerusalem. Now you have to understand this about, about the environment for these guys. They were a little bit anxious. Because Jesus had been saying, hey, I'm going to leave you guys pretty soon. They didn't really totally understand that. And they didn't want to accept it. But they knew something's going to change. We're going to Jerusalem. And something. Jesus, the way that Jesus is talking to us, all of a sudden there's a little bit of an urgency and a finality. And something is going on. And they knew that, that the people, the, the, the religious leaders in Jerusalem, they didn't like Jesus. Matter of fact, they would already instituted a plan. that they wanted, to, they wanted to capture Jesus and his disciples. And they wanted to put him on trial. And they wanted to have him killed. They had already planned for that. There was already some, some knowledge going around that, 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 that they were willing, if anybody would turn in this Jesus, that they were willing to reward them. Matter of fact, one of the disciples, Judas Iscariot, soon is going to take up that offer and get some money to betray Jesus. And so in this environment, there was a little bit like they were always kind of watching their back probably a little bit. They knew that it was on edge. And the disciples are, are saying the Passover dinner is coming. And they came to Jesus and they said, where are we going to celebrate the Passover, the meal? Jesus sends Peter and John. He says, go into the city and you're going to find this guy. And I've already made arrangements with him. He has an upper room, so that means he has a pretty nice house with a little bit more money. No, almost nobody had a second story at that time, but he did. It was in the middle of a nicer area, but they had to walk through the city. So guess what? Peter and John covered up. They didn't want anyone to see him. And they walked down the, they walked down the streets. And they're looking for the signs that Jesus had told them to look for. And finally they see this man and they go, that's the guy that Jesus was talking about. And so they go up to him. And, and, and he says, here's the key. And here's some stuff and you can go ahead and you can go up into the upper room. And they went into the upper room and they prepared the table. And they got everything ready. Just like they had always done every year of their life, only their mom and dad had usually been in charge of that, but now they were in charge of it. And they were trying to remember, okay, what do we need? We need, we need a jar of water at the door because that's where you're going to wash your feet. That's what we always do. And, and, they, and they created all the things, the lamb and the special plate with the egg and, and, the, and all these special things that they always did. And, and they needed to get all of the stuff ready and the tablecloth and everything. But there was something missing. Usually a Jewish family would have other servants that would come and help you, but they were secretive at this moment. They couldn't do that. They needed to keep it small. Later on during the day, Jesus shows up with his disciples as if Peter and John probably went and said, hey, everything's ready. And then they walked covered through the city together into the upper room. They walked into the room 
and it was like, is, this is kind of familiar, we've done this every year, but this is going to be a little bit different because now we're doing it with our, with our family that Jesus has put together. And they all walk by, and they look down at the, at, at the, at the jar on, on there, and they wouldn't know what to do, right? When you walk into a house and you're Jewish, you're supposed to wash your feet, but someone, there's always a servant there to do it. There was no servant. And I think, you know, they had just been arguing about who's the greatest, so maybe the first one walked by and said, oh, okay, if, if I start washing my own feet, then they're going to expect me to start washing their feet. I'm not going to serve anybody. I'm not being the servant here. I'll, I'll, I'll just walk by. And one by one, they all walk by this servant's jar. And Jesus allows them to. And they, and, they, and they get through the meal, and they're doing everything. But Jesus is changing things up, and he's explaining that I'm the Passover now. I'm the Passover lamb. And they're not really understanding it. You wouldn't either. Someone came and started changing up like Easter or Thanksgiving and started saying other things. You wouldn't fully understand yet. Later you might. And that's what was happening. And then as the meal is going on, Jesus takes a towel. He wraps it around his waist and he girds himself like this. And he goes over to this, this jar that they had all walked by awkwardly. And he grabs it. He walks around one by one by his disciples and he starts washing their feet. He becomes the servant. No one else was willing to do it. Jesus leads by example. He says, I'm going to wash your feet. Peter, so Paul, I can't believe I didn't do it. I wish I would have done it now. Don't wash my feet. I'll wash your feet, Jesus. And Jesus goes, no, Peter, if you don't let me wash you, you won't be clean. Because he had a bigger message that Jesus was coming to wash more than their feet. He was coming to die on the cross and his blood was going to wash all of their sins away. That they needed that. And Jesus washes their feet. And at the end of this meal, after this is all over, we get to this portion, which is our portion today. It's in John 13, uh, 30, verse 33, the end of his meal. He's already explained to them that one of you is going to betray me. It's Judas Iscariot. Right? They were worried about the other people out there betraying him, but one of his own was going to betray him. And in verse 33, Jesus goes like this. He gives this mission to his disciples. He says, little children. Now, Jesus isn't, he's, he's, he, they're not really little children. They kind of are to some of us, right? Peter's probably like in his, his late teens or early 20s, and the rest of them are like teenagers. And Jesus is in his early 30s. But it was very normal for a rabbi, a teacher, a master to refer to his disciples as little children. It was a term of endearment. He's not putting them down. He's saying, you who I consider my children like family, my brothers, my family. It's a tender moment. He says, little children, yet a little while I am with you. I'm only going to be with you a little while longer, he says. He goes, you will seek me, and just as I said to the Jews, so now I say also to you, where I am going, you cannot come. See, Jesus knew something that they didn't know, that Jesus needed to die on the cross, and he's the only one that could do it. Where, you, where I'm going, you can't come. Only I can do that. Jesus, salvation is found in only one, in Jesus alone. He says, where I'm going, you can't come. And then he says, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. And then he says something else. He goes, by this, all people will know that you are my disciples 
if you have love for one another. Now, there's a couple of interesting things. If you can pull out your notes, we'll kind of dig into some of these interesting things in this, in this, in this, in this charge, really, this, this charge that, that you have a new mission to love one another. And the first thing in your notes, we'll call this Love One Another 101. Right? As if Jesus has given them a class on what it looks like to love one another. We'll call this Love One Another 101. And I had two things that I thought about when I first read this. Because Jesus goes, there's a new commandment I give you, love one another. And, and my first thought was this. What's new about that? Right? If you could go all the way back to Leviticus, way back when Moses wrote. And look what it says in Leviticus 19.18 in the law. It says, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. If Moses already said, and, and, the, and, the, and the Jews had always followed this, you should love one another, and Jesus goes a new commandment that you love one another, what's new about it? And then I looked a little bit closer in here. If you look, and we'll read it again in John 13, 34, when Jesus is saying this, he goes, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, just as I have loved you. What Jesus is saying is you've always been called to love one another. You've been called to love one another as, as you love yourself. You've been called to love one another, but now I'm saying, let me be the example. As I have loved you, that's what's new. Love one another. Jesus has become the example, the perfect example of what it looks like to love one another. So what's new? Jesus is saying Jesus is the example. And I love this about Jesus. If you've ever had somebody that you were under authority of, like someone was in leadership and you were and, and you were under their authority, maybe your parents, right, or your kids, your parents, or at work, your boss, or on a team, your coach, or or, or anybody who, or, or in your children's ministry class, or your teacher, somebody that, that that makes the rules and you need to follow. Here's something that I believe and I, and I respect about leaders: when a leader is willing, it doesn't ask you to do things that they wouldn't do themselves. Some leaders are like that. Some leaders will ask you to do stuff that they wouldn't do themselves. You've got to do all the stuff I don't want to do. That's like, I'm the leader. You're the servant. You do it. Because I don't want to. Jesus wasn't like that. Jesus asks us to do the things that he had already done himself. We call this, we call this servant leadership. We call this leading by example. Jesus led by example. He says, love like I did. And then in, in, in Love One Another 101, what's the result? What's the result of if we love people the way Jesus loves people, what will the result be? Jesus tells us that people will see Christ in us if we do that. He says, by this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. So Jesus really is going to die and he's, he's been telling them, I'm going to go from you now, but, but if I go from you, I'm going to send you out first. I'm going to send you out on a mission to these initial disciples, and it's the same mission that he gives to us. And it's a simple mission, really, in concept, but it's really hard to live out. He says, love one another, that's your mission. And he says, if you do that, if you love one another the way that I love you, and people will see that, and it'll give them an accurate glimpse of who I am. You ever think about that? Like, if you don't love people well, and then you just come with a, a, a information, you know, you just want to tell them what they're doing wrong, how do they receive that? But if you really love people, and they can see that you genuinely love them, 
They're more apt to listen. They're more apt to receive what you have to say. And Jesus calls us out on that. He calls us to love one another the way that he loved, and that people would see us. And later on, because this, this conversation goes on in chapters 14 and 15, he says, here's the great news. You cannot do this on your own. If you're like, okay, what I need to start doing is just loving like Jesus does, guess what? You'll fail. But he says, in, in chapters 14 and 15, both of those, he says, I'm going to send you a helper, the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit will help you. In Galatians, we see that one of the fruit of having the Holy Spirit in your life, is the first one is love. We need Jesus in order to love the way that he is calling us to love. And when we do that, it points to Jesus. It's all about Jesus. Kids, say that. It's all about Jesus, if you believe it. So we need to love one another. And the honest question comes up is this. How did Jesus love then? If, we're, if Jesus is our example, how did Jesus love? And I would have to say this, that we could probably go on for this series forever if we were trying to tackle that question. How did Jesus love? We could go on and on in, 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 in the depths of all the books in the Bible and say, what did it look like for Jesus to love us? But today I want to just point out three that I see in this story and that I really feel strongly that God has called us to as a church. And the first one is this. We see this in the story, How Did Jesus Love? Jesus initiated friendship. That sounds simple. It is simple. But it, it can be really hard. But Jesus initiated friendship. And we see this all throughout the scriptures, right? Jesus goes into to, to Samaria, to the place where most Jews would avoid and he goes up to this Samaritan woman who, who everybody in the community has been avoiding because she's a simple woman. She's not the type of person that Jesus should be hanging out with. And Jesus, what does he do? He sits down at the well with her, and he has a conversation with her. He listens to her. He asks her questions about her life, and he listens to her. He's, he's offering friendship. He's offering relationship. Jesus does this all the time, right? The, the number one thing that he was accused of by his, the people that didn't like him was what? He's friends with sinners, right? He's friends with sinners. Jesus was known for being a friend with sinners. But in case you're wondering, does that really fit with this? Look what it says in John 15, just two chapters later in the same discourse that we're studying. John 15, 15. Jesus says to these disciples that he's eating with and hanging out with, he says, No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. Jesus offered friendship to fishermen and tax collectors. He invited them to follow him and to learn from him. Jesus offered friendship. And I'm not saying that somehow we're, we're going to create a formula for evangelism here. That's not what we're doing. If you're starting to go there, like, let's, let's, we're going to get a three-step formula for That is not what I'm saying. All I'm saying is if you take an honest look at Jesus in the Gospels, you're going to see that he offered, he initiated friendship with people. Like Zacchaeus, the wee little man. Right? Like with the Pharisees. He ate dinner with them. He, he had a relationship with them. And I think that there's something for us to learn from that. And there's also a warning. I've seen people abuse this and, and, and misinterpret this and misapply this. It's usually when, when they've had a hard situation at church, maybe they've been hurt or they just kind of, or, or their flesh starts flaring up and they start 
getting kind of selfish and I want to do things my own way. They don't want to follow God. They want to do their own thing. And they say, you know what I'm going to do? I don't want to hang out with people at the church. I'm going to go hang out with sinners like Jesus did. Right? And I'm going to go out and they kind of get into the lifestyle a little more and they get away from it. But here's what, here's what you need to understand in context. Jesus engaged sinners. He was friendly to sinners. But he never sinned with sinners. Jesus loved sinners. He reached out to them. And we should. Offering friendship. The second thing that we see that Jesus does, and we see it in this story today, is that he sacrificially served them. Right in the middle of our story in John 13, just like I acted out, it says, in verse 14, it says, If then you, Lord, if, if then your Lord and teacher, Jesus is their Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. Right? That's an analogy for serving other people, for taking care of them, for loving them by taking care of their needs. For I have given you an example that you should do just as I have done to you. So Jesus offers friendship to people. Can we do that? Do you have to be a certain age to do that? Kids, can you be friendly to people? Yeah. Guys at work, can you be friendly to people? <laughs> In your neighborhood, can you be friendly with people? Is this, is this over the top, like, like some crazy thing? It's just normal, right? Well, it should be. That's what Jesus is saying. It should be normal for a Christian. Be friendly with people. To serve people. And we serve people. Right? Now, here's the thing. When Jesus served people, he served people with no strings attached. What I would call no strings attached. And we see that within this story. First of all, Jesus offers the ultimate, if you're Jewish, the ultimate sign of friendship is to have a meal with somebody. He's having a meal with these people, offering friendship with them, and he serves them. One of those people that is there is Judas Iscariot, who is just about to betray him. Does Jesus wash Judas' feet, or does he go, nah, not you, man, and bypass <laughs> Judas? No, he gets down on his knees pours water over Judas' feet and washes them, looks him in the eye, Judas looking him in the eye as if Jesus didn't know what was already going on. Can you believe that? Have you ever, have you ever served somebody and gotten burned? And it kind of goals you, you don't want to do it anymore. I don't know if I want to serve people. It's like too risky. And I, I, oh, Jesus did that with this guy that he already knew was going to burn him. Because he, he served people with no strings attached. You ever serve people with strings attached? You ever have someone come to your door and be real nice, right? And like all of a sudden you realize they're not being friendly, they're trying to sell me magazines. <laughs> right? I had that experience not that long ago, and once I told the, the kid nicely, I'm not gonna buy magazines, his face turns, right? And uh, I won't even tell you what he said as he was walking away. It wasn't friendly. <laughs> we serve people with no strings attached. Even if they can do nothing for you, even if they don't come to church, even if they don't come to Jesus, even if they don't do anything, just they need to be served, you just serve with no strings attached. I think if we're going to love the way that Jesus loved, we're going to need to get over our agendas and just start loving people and serving people. But you, you, you're a neighbor and you need help? I'm going I'm to serve you. Oh, but they never ended. I asked them to church and I wasn't fruitful, right? Because they didn't come to church. No, it was fruitful because it, it's, it, anytime you love somebody, just love Serve and trust God with the results. That's our best we can do, right? So we, we just serve people. That's one way that Jesus loved people. And the third way that I see of many 
is that he shared the gospel with them. He offered friendship and service and the gospel. At the end of John chapter 12, right before they go into this meal, Jesus has this really hard conversation with them. And he goes, I have come into the world as light, so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. If anyone hears my words and does not keep them, I, will, I, I do not judge him, for I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. Jesus is always telling people the gospel. At work, they tell me, don't, don't ever bring up like, like, like tax or politics or religion. Jesus didn't follow any of those rules. Jesus told people the truth. When, when people were sinning, he would say, hey, you're sinning. I see it, but I still love you. But what's the difference? I thought, I think about that. How come some people, they, 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 they share the gospel, but you go like, what if you're being a jerk kind of some people just do it with, a, with just a, a, it's not in love. And some people do, and how do we know the difference? This is just one thought I have. Jesus would tell people that, that, that they had issues and that they were wrong, but he did it in love, and he did it telling them, I want to be there, walk with you through it. I want to love you through it. And he invited them into relationship. The Pharisees pointed out everything you did wrong, and, and they did it so that they could put you down and show you how much better than they were than you. Right? Are we going to be people that share the gospel lovingly? Are we going to sit down with them and offer friendship and listen and ask questions and listen and get to know them? And to serve them with no strings attached? And to let them know why we're doing it or what we're all about? Look, we just believe, like what Jesus said, that he's the light and that we're all in darkness and we need Jesus. He wasn't afraid to share the gospel with them. He did it in love. So he initiated friendship, served with no strings attached, sacrificially, and he shared the gospel with them. What can we learn from this? How do we apply this? We have a mission that God has given us, and it's to love like Jesus loved. And if we're going to love like Jesus loved, maybe you can just do a little inventory right now and just ask yourself this. What would it look like for you to offer friendship to people around you? Maybe just start, start to evaluate the different things you do in your life. If you're a kid, well, you can maybe go to school, or you go to the playground, or you come here to church, right? Or, or as, as you get to be in a, a, a little bit older, maybe you go to college, or you go to different groups, or you're on teams. Or maybe you go to work, or maybe you come outside to get the newspaper and there's a neighbor there. You could either like pretend like you didn't see him, or you could, or you could offer friendship. Or maybe at work. Maybe even at work to the guy who's trying to get the same position as you are and might stab you in the back. He's the Judas Iscariot, right? And you just love him anyways. And you offer friendship to people. What would it look like to start serving people? Right? We, there's plenty of opportunity all the time. You know why we don't, the number one reason why we don't serve people? It's not because we're selfish. It's because we're too busy. Read the Good Samaritan. They were too busy to help them. It's, it, it indicates. Let's not be like that. It's going gonna, it's gonna to require that we leave a little margin in our life. Maybe. If you want to really take Jesus seriously and love the way Jesus loves seriously, you're going to need to maybe create some margin where you can actually start serving people. And to share the gospel. Not just with your life, yeah, with your life, but also, how many of you guys, if you've never told anybody about Jesus, 
Just ask God to start giving you opportunities. I'm telling you, he's alive, and he will, he will answer that prayer. You say, God, here I am. You don't need to be like, you know, going everywhere and awkwardly just cramming in there. But just ask, Holy Spirit, show me who you want me to, I'm available to you right now. Just show me who you want me to share. And watch him start doing it. To love the way Jesus loved. And why don't the worship team come back up? I want to just kind of close the two stories that I heard that maybe just illustrate what this looks like in real life time. The first one, these aren't, these aren't stories that really happened to me, but they're stories that, that friends have told me, and one was a story I read in a book, and I thought was cool. The first one was one that my friend told me. My friend, when he was in third grade, he's now an adult, when he was in third grade, he moved from the East Coast. Kids, you can imagine this. Try to imagine this. He moved from the East Coast here to California in the South Bay, and he had to start a new school. The same week that he moved here, he had to start a new school. And he was one of those kids that was a little bit shy, and he, and he had, and it, was, it wasn't really easy for him to make friends. And so he showed, up to, he showed up to school the first day, and he just sat by himself all day. At lunchtime, sat by himself. During recess, he sat by himself. During the class, the teacher tried to be nice to him, but no one else did. And he came home from school that day, and he told his mom, I hate school. I want to move back to the East Coast. And mom, I hate you for making me come here. The very next day, he shows up to school. And one kid had seen that, that no one had paid attention to him. And it kind of bugged him all night. He was thinking about it. So right when he got there, he, made, he, he intentionally went up to him and, 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 and said, What's your name? He invited him into his friendship group. At recess, he said, hey, you want to play kickball with us? He loved the way Jesus did. Any of you guys think that Jesus would have invited him to play kickball? Yes, he would have. And he did that. They, they developed this friendship. Later on that year, at Christmas time, he, he invited this, this friend, he invited him to go to church with him. He kept coming to church. All the way through youth group. At youth group, he gave his life to Jesus. Because this kid offered friendship to him. He gave his life to Jesus. Today, he's a youth pastor. And I can tell you, testify personally that he's led over a thousand teenagers to Jesus Christ. All because one kid decided to love like Jesus loved on a playground when he was in third grade. And initiate friendship and service. And then lead him to a place where he's going to get to God. Another story, this guy was at the gym, and they always went to the gym uh, every day, uh, and he, the guy would work out by himself, and then two friends that were Christians, uh, and they went to the same small group together, and they started going to the gym at the same hour, and they were all buff, and, and they loved working out, and they would work out next to this guy, and all of a sudden one day, hey, you want to work in with me? And so they start working in together, and they're doing squats together, and they're having conversations together. Every day they would show up at the same time, and they started becoming like three, some workout partner. Two of them are Christians, one of them wasn't. And then stuff started coming up, they started talking about like their life, and church started coming up, they started talking about church. Every time they would mention church, the guy would like, like say something negative about it. Oh yeah, well church is not, we would say something negative. And they just loved them, and they, they didn't press it, but they didn't stop. They just kept telling them, well, one day the guy stopped showing up. Well, well they, 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 it was like two weeks later, and then they asked at the front desk, hey, do you know what happened to this guy? And they said, oh, we heard he, he's sick, and he's at the hospital. He got sick. So they went, these two guys went to the hospital and visited this guy. 
and say, hey, we miss you, and, and get well, and they got him cards and a flower. And, and, and then they found out that he didn't have any family and that his bills were racking up and he couldn't afford it. These two guys go to their small group, just like we have, right? We can do this, is what I'm saying. They go to their small group, and they're like, hey, let's raise money for this guy, and let's just serve him. No strings attached. We don't know what's going to happen, but he's not a Christian, but let's just love him the way Jesus would love him. And they raised like $5,000 throughout the church, and they gave it to this guy. And the guy goes, why are you doing this? You're not even bad. Like, you're... And they just said, hey, Jesus gave us so much. We think this is like nothing, but it's all we have. We're happy to give this to you. Four months later, he's being baptized. Why? Because they love, like Jesus loved, and trusted God with the results. As we close in worship, I just want to bring that to this worship reflection and think about this. These words that Jesus said, he goes, just as I have loved you. See, when we go out and love, our motivation is the fact that we've been Loved by Jesus. I want to just let the room stir a little bit as we reflect. How much has Jesus loved you personally? How much has Jesus loved you? Even in the moments when you've rejected him and not thought about him and, and not even been aware of him or, or been out doing whatever you were doing and just like put him on the shelf. And in all of those moments, he loved you passionately. He loves you. And what he's saying is, the way that I love you, turn around and start loving each other that way. Even when they reject you, they turn from you, or they don't respond well to you. Just love them and trust me with the results. And watch, let's watch what God does. Amen? Amen. Amen.